the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is no such thing as freedom without boundaries. What is freedom according to the Word of God? We'll explore the answer to that question today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. What the Bible explains about freedom is far more profound than any other freedoms you could consider. Well, freedom, according to the Word of God, is this. The Spirit-imparted ability and desire to do what we are supposed to do, to do what we've been created in Christ to do. Hi there, and welcome to our program. This is Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, who turns our attention once again to the book of Galatians. Here's Pastor Gary with today's program. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, but that freedom has boundaries. There's no such thing as freedom without boundaries. There's no such thing as freedom as unlimited freedom. The question is, who sets the boundaries? God or man? If man defines them, then freedom degenerates into slavery, as we see in American society today. But if God defines them, then true freedom, worthy of the name, is preserved, practiced, and enjoyed to the benefit of everyone. To understand the nature and purpose of God's boundaries of freedom, we must once again answer the question to make sure we are all going in the same direction. And that is, what is freedom according to the word of God? Modern man uses the word in many, many ways. He speaks of civil freedom, freedom of movement, reproductive freedom, freedom of the will, academic freedom, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. But when the Bible speaks of freedom, it speaks of something far more profound, something far more basic and essential for life, without which none of our other legitimate freedoms are even possible. Freedom, in this most basic sense, is not the right to sin, nor is it the privilege to do whatever we choose, nor is it individual liberty from any external social restraints. Rather, freedom, according to the Bible, is the spirit-imparted ability and desire to do what we are supposed to do. Make sure you understand that. Freedom, according to the Word of God, is the Spirit-imparted, Spirit-given ability and desire to do what we should do. And, of course, we should do what we should do is spelled out in the pages of Scripture. Now, when you define freedom like that, 
which is the most fundamental of all freedoms, the spirit-imparted ability and desire to do what you should do, knowing that what you should do is spelled out in the Bible. That most basic of all freedoms is not possessed by a person until, first of all, Jesus has set him free from his bondage to sin, self, Satan, the law of God, and death. No one is born with it by virtue of the fact that he is a human being. This is something that has to happen to you. You have to be freed before you can have this freedom, and the Lord Jesus Christ has to set you free. But how? 2,000 years ago, he accomplished our salvation and purchased this freedom for us by his death on the cross. When he died, he redeemed us to God, and he purchased us from God for us all of the blessings we need in order to live as redeemed people. And one of those great blessings he purchased for us was the Holy Spirit and the regenerating, sanctifying power of that Spirit, making us new creatures in Christ. He purchased that Spirit for us by his death, and then he sent the Holy Spirit in our lives to apply the freedom and salvation that he purchased for us on the cross. And by the Holy Spirit, he brings that freedom into our lives and causes us in our own individual histories to experience that freedom because of the regenerating, transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And therefore, to say again, we are not free until we have been freed by Christ. Prior to that moment, we were slaves who pretended to be free. In fact, in our text in Galatians 5.13, Paul describes Christians as those who have been, quote, called to freedom. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute about that phrase. Christians are called to freedom. That statement means far more than Christians have the responsibility to act like free men. Because the word called is the key word here. Throughout the New Testament, particularly in the writings of Paul, it persistently refers to Christians as those who are called. Far more times in the New Testament are Christians called the called ones than they are called Christians. For instance, just notice in the book of Galatians. Turn to chapter 1 and notice the emphasis Paul makes on the calling of God that makes a Christian out of you and I. In Galatians 1, 6, he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting, that is, him, that is, God, who called you by the grace of Christ. So here you see, God is the source of this calling. And whenever a person experiences calling, it is purely undeserved and unmerited. It is a calling of grace. Look at Galatians 1.15. But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. In other words, here Paul is giving his testimony, and he says, I became a Christian, not when I was trying to become a Christian. I wasn't even thinking of becoming a Christian. 
I, I was on my way to Damascus to persecute Christians. But on that road to Damascus, God called me out of Judaism, out of the legalism that I was superior to my comrades in, to a brand new life. And in that calling, he revealed his glory to my heart. And that was when I was converted. Look at Galatians chapter eight and or chapter five and verse eight. He is warning them about following false teachers, being persuaded by false teachers, and he says, This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. So he is calling the Galatians to faithfulness to the one who called them. And then in Galatians five thirteen we see we are called by God to freedom. So you see, this is an important idea that we must be very careful to understand. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Everything does not work together for good for everyone in the whole wide world without exception. You see, God causes some things that happen in this world to work against the eternal welfare of some people. It is a promise that only applies to those who love God because they are called of God, called according to His eternal purpose and decree. That is, before the beginning of time, God had in His mind a massive number of human beings that he was going to save. So in time, the Holy Spirit called them out of their sin to follow Christ. And it is the calling of God that brings the decree and the purpose and the predestination of God right into our experience and right into our lives. First Peter 2.9 describes Christians as those who are called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Why? To proclaim the perfections of God. That's an important verse to understand your calling. That you became a Christian when God called you out of the darkness of sin in this present evil age in which we are wallowing with a power that caused you to leave it. And to come into his marvelous light of purity and morality, truth, understanding and knowledge. So that for the, for the rest of your life, you might proclaim by your life and by your words the excellencies and the perfections of the God who saved you so dramatically by calling you out of darkness. So you see, that's why Christians are called the called ones. God has called them out of the world and called them into the church, his church. In fact, the Greek word for church, which is one of the most commonly known Greek words in the English tongue, is the word ekklesia, from which we get the word ecclesiastical. Ekklesia comes from two Greek words, meaning to call out. So the very word for church itself in Greek emphasizes the fact that those who are members of the church are members not so much because they decided to become members, but because there was a time in this life when they were rebelling, were 
were rebelling against God, and God called them powerfully out of that rebellion, making them cease their rebellion and to want more than anything to be a part of his body and to worship him throughout all eternity. Notice in John 10 how Jesus uses the beautiful imagery of a shepherd and his sheep. John 10, verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. He says, I know who belongs to me, and I know who doesn't. And those who I know belong to me, they know me. Verse 16. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. That is not of the Jewish fold. You see, he's talking about the Gentile fold here. And I have those who are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. Now notice all of this great imagery. The good shepherd says, I know my sheep. In New Testament days, amazingly, a shepherd could have a huge flock of sheep, and they could look all the same to you and me, but he would have a special name for each one of them. He called each one by its own name. Jesus says, I know my own sheep. I can distinguish them from the world, and my sheep know me, and when they hear my voice, they know it is my voice. It's like when you call your wife, guys, on the telephone, and she says, honey, and, and she says, honey, I love you. You don't ask, who is this? You recognize her voice. No one needs to prove it to you. And so it is with Christ's voice. When Christ speaks to a sheep, they don't have to ask, who is this? They hear it. They know it. They love it and they follow it. And that's what John 10, 27 is saying to us. That in beautiful imagery is a picture of the calling of God. We are sheep who have gone astray. We have left the flock and God sends a a good shepherd to get us back into the flock. How does he do it? He calls us with a voice that raises the dead. And when he calls us, that voice comes to us with such power and with such clarity. We know exactly whose voice that is. And we immediately lay down our rebellion and turn around and turn back in his strength to the flock because we know his voice and we love it. And whenever we hear it, we follow it. And that is when you became a Christian. And that is how you can tell you are one of the sheep for whom the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life. When he calls your heart to follow him, you rise up and follow him. And that is the beginning of the Christian life. Now, I've got to stop here and make some proper biblical distinctions because there is a verse in the Bible that confuses some people, and I understand fully. It says, many are called, 
but few are chosen. And that leaves the impression to some people that there are some who are called by God and may not be chosen by God and resist this powerful call. And I tell you, when the shepherd calls you with omnipotence, you are not going to ask, can I resist this or not? It's not even going to occur to you to resist it because when you hear the shepherd's voice, everything in you wants to rise up and follow him. But if you want to be theologically correct, when the omnipotent shepherd calls you, His voice comes to you with all power and you cannot resist because I say to you, brothers and sisters, if you and I could ultimately resist the voice of Christ when he calls you to follow him, then we would resist him throughout all eternity because of the rebellion and the hostility there is in our hearts. The only possible way God could call us so we could come and we would come and rebuff our rebellion is to call us with a voice of omnipotence. So what does it mean then when it says that many are called and few are chosen? Doesn't that seem to apply something different? Well, in the scriptures, there are two different kinds of calls. There's one called the general call of the gospel. And there is another that is the special call of God. Or some people say the general call is the outward call of the gospel. And some call the special call the inward call. It doesn't matter what you call it as long as you understand that there are two different kinds of calls in Scripture. The first is the general, external call that originates in the church, people like you and me. It's the preaching of the gospel, the teaching of the gospel. It's evangelism and world missions, seeking to call people to follow Christ. So that is the general call that originates with the church when you and I, in the pulpit or in our everyday lives, call people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing about the general call that originates with us is that it is to be addressed to everyone. None of us go out into the world and say, well, you look like one of the elect, so I'll call you. No, it doesn't matter. The Bible says go out into the highways and byways, and whoever you see out there, compel them to come in. So this call of the gospel, urging people to come to Christ, is something that we, as the church, are to issue to every single person in the world that we can possibly issue the call And the third thing about the general call is that it can be resisted. I can stand right here until I'm blue in the face and call all of you to follow Christ. And if all you hear is my voice, you will resist even to your dying day. In fact, I dare say that any of us who have had a hand in witnessing have been turned down more times than we haven't. We have been resisted more times than we haven't. So there are three things we need to bear in mind about the general call of the gospel. Number one, it begins with us, the church. Number two, it is addressed to the world indiscriminately. And number three, it can be resisted. 
Now, the call that Paul talks about, the special inward calling of God, is something that originates only with God. It is something God does. You notice time and again in Galatians and in other places, God is the subject of this call. He is the one who does the calling. So the difference between the general call of the gospel and the special call is that the general call issues from us. Christians, as a church. But the special inward call comes from God himself alone. Secondly, it is addressed to his chosen people. Not everyone in this world hears this call of God. Not everyone hears the good shepherd's voice. The goats don't hear it. The Bible says he died for his sheep. Not for the goats, Not for the wolves. The wolves and the goats don't hear it. It's only the sheep, God's chosen people, that hear the voice of the shepherd. And the point is, those whom God calls in their hearts are the chosen people for all eternity. And the third thing is that when Almighty calls one of his people to follow him, that call is irresistible. It comes with omnipotence. It is the almighty God that calls them. It is the same God who spoke and called the universe into existence. It is the same God whose voice raised the dead. It is an irresistible and invincible voice. Now, how does God save sinners? Well, there's a great verse in the last book of the Bible that says this. The spirit and the bride say, come. And of course, we all know the bride is the church, right? Now, if the bride is the only one who says to the sinner, come, will the sinner come? No, because the human voice does not have the power to raise the dead or to move a person's heart to lay down his rebellion and come to Christ. So if all that happens is that the bride says, come, Nothing will happen. It is only when the Spirit mixes His voice, so to speak, with the brides, and they together say, come, that the sinner comes. When I'm preaching, and the Holy Spirit mixes His powerful call with my words to you, and says, come and follow Christ, all the powers of heaven and hell cannot keep you from following Christ. So it is the special call of God in the general call of the gospel that causes people to rise up and follow him. God takes the outward call of the gospel, the preaching and the teaching of the gospel, and sends it home to the heart by the effectual call of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, the person that experiences this call experiences a basic change in his life and not only takes place within him, but it affects his whole sphere of existence because the moment he is introduced, because at that moment he is introduced into the realm of freedom. He's given the spirit imparted ability and desire to do what he ought to do and love what he ought to do. 
He is introduced to a sphere of grateful, spontaneous living to the glory of God. And he is invited by God to roam about freely in this new kingdom, delighting in its treasures and making full use of all of the opportunities. In other words, he's called to freedom. And you and I must learn to see ourselves and think of ourselves as the called of God. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.